Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 580, air date April 19th, 2020. Welcome everybody to the 100 Year Lifestyle where we are transforming health and longevity worldwide so that you and your loved ones can live truly live at 100% for 100 years and beyond. And we have a great guest for you today, a leader that needs your ears. He needs your support. He is an amazing person, dedicated, courageous, Dr. Shiva. Uh, thank you for joining us, my friend. Great to be here, Eric. Thank you. Hope you're uh, well. You're going viral, man. You're going viral. You're talking about uh, the immune system in a way that is getting people's attention. You're blowing up all the prehistoric beliefs that people have about immunity. We're going to talk to the public and teach them about it. We're going to talk about social distancing, health policy. We got a lot to cover. So let's start with, tell me how all of this has been for you lately. You're kind of going, like I said, viral and people are getting to know what you stand for. Well, for me, Eric, it's it's been something that I've been doing anyway. You know, I worked sort of uh, 24 by 7 on this and it's been a journey that started when I was around four years old so this is not some essentially it's timing you know you put in a lot of hard work and then you leave everything up to you know how nature works so it just so happens that people are ready to hear this knowledge but it's not been something that came out overnight you know when I was four years old uh, you know I grew up in an environment where my grandmother was a traditional healer practicing a system the key word is a system of medicine which has, has a whole different lingua franca, a whole different language, uh, uh, different than proteins and cells and molecular pathways and genes, but a different language. But that language uh, my grandmother used, uh, and she was not a, you know, she didn't charge for her healing services. She did it. You know, she was a farmer, an indigenous farmer. But on the weekend, she was a village healer. And she used that system of medicine to identify people's particular state. This, I'm, now, I'm telling this to you in new words because it took me a while to characterize this. Um, and then by understanding their particular balance, she could also detect their imbalance. Everyone has a different homeostasis and then figure out what were the right foods, the right medicine uh, at the right time. What we today call precision medicine, but this was done um, and it's been done for thousands of years. The problem is that language has been hidden and the people who practice this were frankly not good at articulating that. So it ended up being seen as something woo woo or something uh, you know, religious or spirit, quote unquote, spiritual. And a lot of people, frankly, took advantage of that. They put on the saffron robes. Um, you had the people coming here, the sort of the new age gurus, but they frankly destroyed the actual essence of the science. And so that's what I noticed as a kid. And my, one of my goals was how did this work? Uh, so that was my long journey. And that led to um, uh, becoming a research fellow as a 14 year old scientist working full time at Rutgers Medical School uh, using computers uh, in 1978 to understand why babies were dying in their sleep. But it also led to my path as an inventor, uh, creating the world's first email system in a small medical college. Email was invented by me, a 14-year-old boy, not in, by the military industrial complex. When I converted the old-fashioned inner office mail system, you know, inbox, outbox, folders, that whole system, again, that word system, into the electronic form, uh, 50,000 lines of co code captured every feature, named it email, a term I created, and got the first U.S. copyright, uh, recognizing me as the official inventor of email, long before my MIT career. And that 
It seems to bug people, but that's what those are the facts. I've had about three lives of email. One is a creator of email, one later on creating the technology to analyze and sort inbound email, solve the problem of email, which I did for the Clinton White House, grew that into a company. And then third, um, really starting to be more of a policymaker saying how the entire digital services or dig digital areas being overtaken by a few people and what that means to our digital rights. Um, so those are the three aspects, but separate from that, it's always been this journey in and out of MIT, four degrees in engineering, electrical engineering and uh, mechanical engineering and visual design and my PhDs in a field, a relatively new field called biological engineering, which, which aims to use engineering principles to understand biology, recognizing that the, the biggest weakness in biology is that you have people understanding the parts, but which is important, right? It's important to understand nature's parts, but they don't know how to interconnect those parts. And that's where an engineering systems approach takes. And that's what my life has been dedicated around. And that resulted in two um, major inventions and discoveries. One is systems health, a redefining or essentially a rediscovery of why those traditional systems of medicine work, but through an engineering lens. And then furthermore, also, um, you know, the creation of a new technology as important or more important than email, which is a way to model molecular pathways on the computer, large scale, in fact, all diseases, so we can eliminate the need for animal testing, we can understand mechanisms, and even in the field of supplements and natural products, there's also people who get in there and also try to sell snake oil and trying to bring truth there. So it's basically, uh, that's been my journey, but it's been a long journey, you know, it's, it's, you know, I've been, you know, doing this for a long time, um, talking about it, writing about it, uh, considered one of the world leaders in the field of precision and personalized medicine from the Western standpoint, but also a guy who's also integrated both these worlds through the systems health things, which we'll, which we'll talk about. Yeah, but, and I love what you are saying, because I first found you when you were talking about the immune system, and you were talking about it as a system. And our network of chiropractors, I noticed that they are sharing your information like crazy. You talk about this current model of the immune system as opposed to past models, I call them prehistoric models of the immune system, where you talk about the importance of innate immunity. Uh, you talk about adaptive immunity. You talk about the neural component, the immune system, the nerve system. You talk about the microbiome and the, microbiome and the interferon system, and you do it in such a way that you make it so simple. And as our network of chiropractors and our patients and our, the people that we are reaching all over the world, they are listening to you now and they want to know, can you simplify it for them in the time that we have? What is the connection with all of these things? Yeah, so the core connection, to keep it really simple, by the way, uh, to, to articulate it in simplicity without losing the complexity has also taken time. So I can do that now. And it's, it, so, so here's, here's, here's sort of everything in a short period of time without losing anything. The bottom line is um, your body has a homeostasis. What does that mean? Your body has a particular set point, which means where it operates well, where you say, wow, I feel great. Okay. And that point for you is different than that point for me and versus anyone in the, in the planet. So what that recognizes is each one of us is a unique being. It also recognizes one size does not fit all. What makes you feel good and, and operate well is different than what may do it for me. Okay. So that's the central point. One size does not fit all. If we want to understand the immune system, the key thing to understand is each one of us separate from the immune system 
has a particular point, what you can call a, a set point or a homeostasis where we function well. That set point for you is different than for me. Why is it different? Well, many factors. It could be a little piece of your genetics. It could be what you're exposed to, what you eat, and also what stresses you've been exposed to, what I call stress inoculation. So these three things affect where you are and what makes you, you. Now, different things occur in time that take you away from you. It's called a disturbance, right? No different than an airplane going from point A to point B. It has a goal, which is to get to, let's say, Boston to San Francisco. The goal is San Francisco. Along the way, it's, it may have some wind and some tornadoes and all these things, and, 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 the, and the airplane's constantly making adjustments to get to its set point. So the key is when it comes to our bodies, what is our set point? And one could argue that our set point is actually determined, some people believe at birth, some people believe it's something you can change, but regardless, there is a particular point that you operate well. Let's call that this, this term homeostasis or a natural system state. In the traditional systems of Indian medicine, they called it your pr prakriti, okay? Whatever the term is, uh, in engineering systems, we call it your natural system state, okay? Where the, where the, the car or, or an airplane functions well. So the purpose there is, uh, so, so the reason I bring that up is your immune system is really the operating system of your entire body because it is, it is billions of years old if you believe in evolution or natural design or whatever you believe in. It's the foundational system that governs everything above it. It's like the operating system. It's like the iOS or the Android. Um, it's the OS and all the apps run on it. So if the immune system is operating where it's supposed to be operating at, everything else you know, falls into alignment. So that's the core. So what is the immune system and how do we define it? Well, um, in 1962, when, for example, the National Vaccine Act was passed by John Kennedy, they had an understanding of the immune system. And that understanding was a very nascent understanding. It basically had two boxes. One was called the innate system and the adaptive system. And the idea was these two boxes communicated together a pathogen came through box one, which was the innate system. So it was a virus, bacteria, fungus, whatever. And the innate system really represents all the outer layers, the superficial layers of your body that interact with that, your eyes, your nose, your respiration, the mucus in your gut, everything that gets your skin. And that system tried to ward off that pathogen. It was almost like your Marines or your infantry. They just go after it with all different kinds of cells, macrophages, neutrophils. That's the first part. And the notion was, and that could occur between the first zero to 72 hours when people get sniffles, maybe they get a little headache, a scratchy throat. And then your adaptive immune system in that model kicks in. And these are more sharpshooters, which attempt to take out that pathogen by creating antibodies. All right, so this was the understanding of the immune system when the National Vaccine Act was created. And the goal and was, let well- Let me ask you a quick question. So real quick, so my understanding and what you're saying, and we've talked about this forever in, in our world, because we, we agree with what you're saying here. And that those sniffles and things like that, that is the immune system actually working. It's the actual That's immune system working. It's a good thing. And in the normal, so, you know, that kicks in and then your body creates, no, antibody. So the goal at that time in this very early model understanding of the immune system was, oh, let us trick the body to create these things called antibodies. And if we do that, voila, we're done. Okay. So based on that, the National Vaccine Act was created by John Kennedy and they created guidelines for vaccines. It created the CDC, you know, Center for Communicable Diseases, which became that, et cetera. Well, by 1986, guess what? 
a lot of people are getting injured from these vaccines. So what is a vaccine? A vaccine is fundamentally something that's trying to mimic that pathogen. In the old model, well, in the old days, not in the old model, you know, I got chicken pox, people came to my house, they got chicken pox, right? So that was a full virus being given to me. My immune system went through its processes and it naturally created immunity. And by the way, in traditional cultures, because from a business perspective, if you were in a village, if someone got it, you know, you would take the pus from them or the, whatever, the sputum, and you would put it up into people's nose, sort of disgusting, right? Or, but there was a concept, let's expose everyone sooner and let's get on with work, right? You didn't want to waste time because if you're a village and you have harvest season, you have the actual activities of running that society. So people had figured out how to do this. So that, that was an important part, right? But the idea was that in that concept, there's a notion that your body builds its own immunity to protect itself. Well, by 1986, a lot of injuries are taking place because we're not using that natural approach. We're using a pale version of that where we stick in a dead version of the virus. We add in all sorts of other chemicals, what are called adjuvants, to try to create that inflammatory response. Well, those things are also affecting the immune system. Well, the big pharma medical community, remember, they're not about really doing real science. They're about selling something. So by 1986, injury after injury, people are starting to sue pharma. The next Kennedy that comes into line is a guy called Ted Kennedy with Henry Waxman and Orrin Hatch. They, instead of getting rid of those mandates or those guidelines, they create a Band-Aid. This is what lawyer lobbyists do because they have to protect their interests or the guys who fund them. And they created the National Vaccine Injury Program. And that program basically was a big Band-Aid which said, okay, we're not gonna, uh, Sue, we're going to protect the vaccine manufacturers and you as the citizen who got injured, you can't go sue them in court, which is basically destroying the constitution, the separation of powers from judicial executive and, you know, legislative. We're going to carve out a piece of the le uh, judicial branch and stick it under health and human services where you have to go sue them there. And, the and there's a limitation of liability for death to $250,000. Amazing. Uh, win for big pharma, big vaccine manufacturers. What it did was it protect, shielded them, right? We as citizens now pay for their errors. And remember, vaccines also did not have to go through the same rigorous process as a biomedical device or a drug. So it created a huge opportunity for them to now push out there um, more vaccines, a very profitable opportunity. And, and, but Instead of getting rid of it, here's a central point. It was based on a very, very outdated science, a fake science. So now you start seeing from 1986 thereafter, people are clamoring. So they threw some bones to people. Okay, we'll give you religious exemptions. We'll give you medical exemptions, okay? The legislators. And then you have people starting to fight for those. So when I got into this, I said, whoa, this is about a year ago. I mean, I've been involved in the health field. I'm cons I do research on the immune system all day. It's one of my areas. I'm considered one of the leading guys in precision personalized medicine, even in the con conventional area. I said, look, something's wrong here. What the real issue is, first of all, there's no safety assessment. And B, they're basing this entire thing on an old understanding of the immune system, the two-box model. So as and you see- And let me ask a question real quick there. So when you say the, there's no safety, um, a lot of people that are on the fence now, the 70% that you and I were talking about that don't have the information, they're looking for leadership, they're looking for new understanding. So I'm gonna ask this question, I think I know the answer to it, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. How many studies 
have been done, double-blind studies, testing the efficacy and the effectiveness of vaccines, and how many studies have been done that have shown that they're safe? Just out of curiosity, double-blind studies. Yeah, so let's, let, let, let me answer that very specifically. So if you look at the 30-odd vaccines that are the guidelines that the CDC has put forward for children, 30, with about 70 doses, not one has been double-blind placebo saline. This is a gold standard, double-blind, which means the people getting it don't know what they're getting it, and the, and the researchers doing it don't know who's getting what. That's double-blind. Both are blinded. And that not only do you give the vaccine, but you also give um, the placebo version of it with the saline, which is salt water solution of it, okay? Well, not one of those 30 have been tested. In fact, the one that they claimed, which was the HPV vaccine, was a complete fraud. What they actually did was they gave one group of people the vaccine, another group of people the quote-unquote placebo, but it wasn't a placebo. It was the vaccine, I mean, it, it was the aluminum sulfate, which is the adjuvant without the vaccine when they should have given them pure saline. And then they did a small group called saline around 300 people. So 10,000 people got this, 10,000 got the aluminum sulfate and a small group of people got the saline. And then they lumped the second two, it's a complete fraud. So what people need to understand, and if you go online, you'll see some people saying, oh yeah, vaccine safety studies were conducted. Well, if you actually read the papers, they're bogus studies, but they just put it out as PR. But the bottom line is, even deeper, getting back to the core of what we were talking about, the homeostasis and immune system, that the notion of the immune system was not really articulated to people, even in this so-called, quote-unquote, anti-vax movement. You had people building these positions, saying one thing, saying some good stuff, right? Just like the breast cancer movement, right? A lot of people say stuff, but they're building these, you know, large empires, either celebrity empires for themselves or others, and then when you start looking at the contradictions, they're not really solving it. Change is never going to come when you start supporting those in power and then you try to rationalize it in some way. Those same people who are against what you are for what you claim you're fighting against. OK, so when I got into this, I said, look, there's no the average person. You have the resistors over here, 20, 30 percent who are pro-vaxxers. You have people who are anti-vaxxers. But the broad mass of people think vaccines are fine. They don't understand it. So what I felt the need was to do education. So. Interesting enough, in the middle of this, I got invited to give the distinguished lecture at the National Science Foundation on the immune system, okay, which I gave back in November. The talk is up there somewhere. But I, what I said was, look, based on from an engineering systems approach, based on my research using our technology Cytosolve, the immune system is not these two boxes. It's far more complicated. There's frankly, to simply put, there's many more boxes. One of the boxes is our microbiome which is all the beautiful gut bacteria, about 60 trillion of them, 10 times more than the number of cells we have. But there's also another thing called the virome, about 380 trillion viruses. So, and then this entire microbiome, particularly in the gut, communicates up through what's called the gut-brain axis to our brain, which is a neural system. But more importantly, my, you know, my PhD work at MIT was on the interferon system, which is a missing link between the adaptive that I talked about the infantry, and the sharpshooters, the, the, I'm sorry, the innate and the adaptive. The interferon system is the one that has these amazing cytokines. It is a thing that modulates the innate and the adaptive and interconnects all of this. So I presented this, you know, to a number of scientists and engineers at this, at the NSF meeting. And I said, look, one size fits all. When you look at the complexity of this, makes no sense. 
to think you're going to give 30 to promote 30 vaccines to everyone in a standardized model, no one would ever do from an engineering standpoint. There was no argument here. The only people who argue about this are, frankly, big pharma victimized, uh, uneducated MDs. There are a lot of people who go become medical doctors with a lot of, in a sense of nobility, but the entire four-year model of the medical education system is basically a model to pummel you to become a robot. If this, then this. If this, then this. You could easily replace most of these guys with AI if they follow that model. I'm not saying there's not some good doctors, but it's a big pharma model. So in that model, the typical MD knows nothing about the immune system. They know, in fact, pediatricians know even less. If you even ask them, what is a cathelicidin? They can't explain. How many of you can explain the interferon system? They can't explain it because they don't learn that in medical school. They've just learned that old two box model. And still to this day, the fundamental thing that I started articulating was the entire vaccination model is based on that old two box model of 1968, in fact, or 1915. So at worst, it's outdated. I mean, at best it's outdated. At worst, it's a fake science. So using a fake science understanding of the immune system in two ways, one, the complexity, uh, and second, the fact it is not the virus. It is not the bacteria. And everyone should listen to this carefully. It is not this pathogen that comes and eats away at you and, and hurts your body. It's not this pathogen. This is what even most MDs think. Oh, my God, you could get Ebola. The Ebola virus goes in and starts eating away at your arterial endothelial tissues and you start bleeding. That's not what's going on. Or this bacteria is attacking you. It's not what's going on. What's actually going on if people actually study the immune system and the actual science is that the immune system is modulating itself if, very important if, if you surround that immune system and you allow it and, and, you, and, and, and you provide it the right nutrients, the right environment. And when the immune system is given that, it just operates beautifully. You don't even have to think about it. It maintains its set point. But if, you're, if you are disturbed, massive amounts of stress, massive amounts of social isolation. A great paper I just shared yesterday was, you know, loneliness is a molecule. It was an article of a paper that came out, but we have data, clear data at the molecular level that when you disconnect people, like quarantine people, put them away, you know, in this minimum security prison we're living in right now, in that model, what it does to your uh, regulatory functions, a gene expression is, you start down-regulating antiviral activity and you start up-regulating immune activity. And social isolation is worse than obesity, the detriments of obesity, high blood pressure and smoking. These have been shown. So- wow. let, let me just, you're, you're going like a racehorse here. You're covering a lot of things. Let me, I do wanna talk about the social uh, isolation in just a minute. I want to back up a little bit because I think a couple of things you said for the public that is watching this, that is making choices, their minds are wide open. A couple of things. Vaccination somehow through drug company marketing, et cetera, became synonymous with immunization and immunity. And what you're saying is that that's not true, that they are actually- No, it's a, it's a marketing model, okay? Uh, the vaccine, you have to understand pharma companies, a, a good portion of what they do is the old fear, uncertainty, and doubt IBM marketing model. Create fear, create uncertainty, create doubt, and then you sell something. That was how IBM used to sell, big blue, right? We're the trusted people. Why do you wanna go with a small guy? We'll always be there for you. You know, what happens if your computer breaks down, right? 
That's the same model FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And pharma companies are masters of this. So what they've done is create that fear, oh my God, this infectious disease, this virus is gonna come attack you, okay? And by the way, that's been the basis of most of medicine. It's been the basis of virus hunters going all the way back to you know, germ theory, right? And which has created germophobia, panic. It's created a germophobia and it's always tried to almost like trying to find the guy who didn't commit the crime and then throw him in prison for it when he didn't do anything. So, and now with much more uh, powerful microscopes, powerful instrumentation, they can find something correlates with something. So what's actually happened is that's been sort of the arc of quote unquote modern medicine. So when scurvy came out, you go back in the 1700s, they thought it must be a disease that's transmitted from sailor to sailor in close quarters. We gotta start isolating people, we gotta find that bug. What well, turned out it was vitamin C. When vitamin C, it took them 100 years, even though people on the ground were starting to give people limes, that's why sailors were called limeys, or pellagra, you know, people's skins would start just falling apart and the scaliness, they thought that must be from Italians bringing it from Italy, Italy, right? There's something dirty with them or we have to quarantine people. Well, it was basically a niacin deficiency. And that was discovered when people actually noticed that the farmers were eating corn and the doctors and um, wealthier people were eating meat and vegetables, right? So the corn had very low levels of thiamine, but for years, nearly 50 to 100 years, it must be a microbe and so on, HIV, the HIV, the, the, one of the biggest frauds that was done was saying HIV creates AIDS. Total fraud. And that's how Anthony Fauci built his career. But it's always been this uh, thing about your body is weak, that germs will kill you. We're going to find that germ and we're going to vaccinate it or give you some pharmaceutical drug to protect you. That's been the foundation of this conventional medicine model. But it doesn't talk to the truth which is a suppressed immune system, which is when you're, when you're depressed, when your system is offset with that disturbance and that disturbance creates stressors, so your body is not functioning optimally. So what you do is you have a weakened and dysfunctional immune system and your own immune system, and this is a central point, when your immune system is not operating where it should be, it's operating at a, some other point, your own immune system is firing not on six cylinders, maybe one cylinder, and that one cylinder overreacts. Let's say with cytokines, you've, you've screwed up your innate immune system by eating too much sugars, you've depressed your macrophages, you've depressed your T cells, and your cytokines are the only thing. Your, your, your body only has got one little weapon and he starts firing it like crazy, like a mad soldier. And it starts attacking not only the virus, the glycoproteins of the virus, but attacking your own cells. And this the autoimmune issues that we have in this country, right? So many different it's the autoimmune issues. issues. Yeah, it's the autoimmune issues. But foundationally, and every and by the way, doctors don't know this. If they do, it's unfortunate that they're still practicing medicine the way they do. And this is where everyone needs to educate the doctors. Nice people, surgeons, by the way, they practice the military war medicine, very valuable if something horrible happens to you. But in day-to-day -day, existence of life, I'm sorry, the MD frankly knows Zippo about the immune system. And so if they did, they would understand it's a compromised immune system. And the discussion should move to, well, how do I boost my immune system? Well, there are many modalities. I mean, there's body work, there's what you put into your body, it's what you live around. All of these things can modulate how you boost up your immune system. I have a question because 
a lot of our listeners and viewers who are on edge with this. Uh, a lot of the, I've been in practice 35 years as a chiropractor. We have a lot of what we call lifestyle care people living their ideal 100 year lifestyle. We have a network around the country, around the world. And what we are finding and what our profession has found for a long time, that people that kept their nervous system healthier, posture, good balance, good alignment. A lot of the words that you're using, similar words that their body's immune system function better. They seem less resistant or more resistant to infections and viruses and things like that, keeping that balance of the nervous system. Can you talk to us about why specifically from a neurological perspective, why keeping the nervous system balanced? I know you have mentioned to me that, uh, that you see a chiropractor periodically and you're Jennifer, uh, who I just spoke to, happens to see a good friend of mine, Dr. Roush. Yeah. Talk to us about why that is. Yeah, it's a good question. Look, I just published a paper about two years ago in one of the, what you would call the conventional great journals called Nature Neuroscience. And one of the things we did was we looked at every paper written on neurovascular diseases. Neurovascular diseases, you know, things from ALS to Alzheimer's, I mean, you go down the list, uh, Parkinson's, et cetera. Well, those neurovascular diseases, there's more and more of an understanding that it occurs when there's dysfunction in a organelle in your body uh, called the parasites, which is what control flow of blood into your, from your endothelial into your brain. But one of the important things that came out of that, we took again a systems approach, approach. We looked at the anatomical components, we looked at the molecular systems, and then we layered in all the diseases. What you find is many of these diseases, Western medicine likes to call them different diseases, but they're fundamentally breakdowns and different signaling mechanisms in your body. Those signaling mechanisms are an interconnection of many things. It's not only the vasculature, but it's a neurovasculature, which, which means your nerve, nerve system. Now, this can get broken down in many ways. It can get broken down from, well, if you're living around glyphosate all the time, if you're living around you know, uh, horrible chemicals all the time, over time, that can start affecting that neurovascular system or that neural system or the vascular system. And we know this. So the, one of the important things to understand is when you look at the immune system, remember I mentioned it's not only the innate, not only the adaptive, the interferon, but you also have your gut microbiome and then your neural system. And the neural system is integrated to your gut microbiome. This is not a separate system. You know, uh, one of my uncles who's a gastroenterologist, he'd say, you know, your, your gut is your first brain and your brain is actually your second brain. So these things are highly connected and the neural system goes throughout your body and it also integrates to your lymphatic system. So these things are tightly coupled systems. So how do you solve a problem? Well, if everything is connected, depends on where you wanna come at it. You could come at it from, hey, I'm gonna take vitamin D and A, which I think are very supportive, which I've talked about, but I can also come at it through body work, right? I can also come at it through supporting the neural system because if there are things in your neural in your neural system that are off that are not communicating properly well that's good it's not like it just sits alone well that system has a direct connection you know to the other subsystems in your body the neural system the lymphatic system all these things are high, tightly connected your microbiome so body work in particular this way exercise is important yoga is important you know getting in my view these alignments because none of us is perfect we all probably sit wrong at a certain point or we stress ourselves out. These alignments are a physical way, but the physical way also has mechanical outcomes, right? Or chemical outcomes. Um, nothing in the body, the body is basically what in engineering, we call it a, a, a transducer. 
which means you can convert one form of energy to another form. So for example, um, there are things called piezoelectric transistors, uh, transducers, or piezochemical. That means you do a mechanical action, which is piezo, it generates electricity. You do a mechanical action and you get chemical action. For example, the fascia. When you put pressure on the fascia, that physical pressure, your fascia transduces that to chemical reactions. This is why massage body work is so powerful because it innervates a whole subsystem of chemical reactions, which affect all the way down to your cytoskeleton, down all the way to every you know, um, cell in your body and, and more. Um, so I, I think that's one of the important things to understand. These things are tightly integrated. So the immune system, getting back to that, wants to, what, what we want to do is support the immune system so it achieves its homeostasis. And that is achieved from an engineering standpoint, to keep it simple, um, let's, you know, we could talk about medicine. We can go talk about the immune system and macrophages, T cells. Another way to look at this, Eric, uh, came out of my work when I went back to India in 2009. You know, I did my PhD in 2003 to seven, um, you know, and all the, you know, all the details and all the credentials within the MIT environment, did a lot of research. But then I took two years off to go back to India to use that knowledge to understand how was my grandmother able to heal? She didn't know about genes and proteins, et cetera. What was that language that she was doing? And, and, and if he, you know, I saw empirically healing, how was that occurring? And what I realized was the language that they were using, for example, in a medicine form called Ayurveda, then I can talk about Chinese medicine. They use this concept called Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. Don't worry about what they mean. But the fundamental reason is they try to diagnose your body where it is. They try to identify your homeostasis. And then they try to say, okay, where is Eric today? Well, he's off a little bit, right? That was called your Vikriti. In engineering system, we call it a disturbance. You're going from Boston to San Francisco. The plane is disturbed. It's off, off or off course. You want to bring it on course. So what I discovered was in engineering theory, there are three terms. To keep it simple, transport, conversion, and storage. Those three phenomenon occur in every system in the universe. In a computer, I'm transporting you know, uh, information that goes in. When I type in something on the keyboard, it shows up on the display screen. Conversion, the CPU takes one plus one and gives me two, right? Or storage, like the, your, USB, your USB drive or storage. Well, in the body, we have those same principles. Transport, the movement of energy, matter, or information through you, the conversion, which is in your gut, and the storage. So one of the things that I'll quickly share with your audience here is that what I ended up realizing was that we could actually present this in a very simple way. And by the way, this is 40 years of work, but it takes, is that you could use the same methodology my grandmother used to when she looked at your face or diagnosis. We do it through questions and you could figure out your particular homeostasis. To keep it simple, that red dot in this space of transport, conversion, it's a three-dimensional grid here, is you, okay? So that's where your body likes to be. You could then figure out how your body has moved away from it. By the way, you don't need a tool like this if you're intuitively in touch with your body, okay? This is a crutch in some ways. But you could understand where you're off, and then you could understand how foods bring you back to you, the inputs. So it's the inputs are what... It's a control system. So no different than what happens when your plane is off course, 
the pilot, if he's good, will change particular inputs to bring you back on course. The cool thing is those inputs could be infinite number of modalities, right? Infinite opportunities, food, you know, it could be herbs, it could be supplements, it could be body work, it could be yoga. So it's not, it's, so it's frankly, from an artistic standpoint, we're not like the problem in the, some of the new age community, every year someone's putting, like you said, someone's face on something, the fat diet, the raw food diet, right? The keto diet. Well, I mean, you go down the list. But the reality is that's a very, frankly, a reductionist way of looking at the body. There are, you know, weather changes, the different stressors. So the art of understanding this is from an engineering standpoint. So we created this whole language, but it's all based on engineering systems theory. So when you were talking about the problem, Eric, that chiropractors have, where they're not appreciated, that's the problem I wanted to address. So if we take it from hardcore engineering, in fact, when I used to teach this course at MIT, after I came back from India, I made this discovery. You know, MIT allowed me to teach a lecture series. Uh, 300 people would show up on a Thursday night. It was a 13-part course. And it was fascinating to watch Eric on one side of the room, which said all the Thai guys with their white jackets from Harvard or MIT or the engineers. And literally on the right side would be the chiropractors, the acupuncturists, and the yoga people. These people would look over at these people really upset they didn't understand them. And these people would look at these people with disdain. However, within about two hours, when you said, look, forget all your stuff, let's take an engineering systems approach, people said, wow, I get that. And then we actually evolved that into a course, which we, and, and the essence of this was I really wanted to redefine how medical education was even thought. And the goal was we created a way, and we ended up calling that systems health, and it was really to ignite a revolution for truth, freedom, and health. And, but the goal was we started teaching people a set of six courses. And we went back to basics. Let's teach you systems theory. Let's teach you systems biology. Then we taught you some Indian medicine or traditional medicine. And then we interconnected it. But the goal of this was to take people away from both their biases, to bring people something that was very fundamental, a new language. So... That is, but the essence of this was that everything in the universe, your computer works well at a certain point, right? If it gets a virus, if it, you overuse it, it, gets, it doesn't have enough hard disk space, it starts chugging along. So the essence of this is let's understand that your body's immune system actually wants to support you. And it is dysfunction and weakening of that system that causes your body to overreact, period. I love that. To be respectful of your time, and to maybe wind out with some of the other things that I know you wanted to talk about and to mention your campaign, let me just give a quick perspective for our audience of what I heard, maybe using some different words. I love the triunes, the three words that everybody in every profession seems to have. Uh, we have a patient who is a good friend. She's an Indian woman, beautiful woman, Smitadaya. She talks about in one of our other podcasts about the three elements uh, of Ayurveda that you just mentioned, and she comes in and gets adjusted. We'll see her probably just a little bit either today or Monday. And we talk about innate intelligence, that the body has this intelligence, innate immunity, interference. If it's interfered with, the, the body breaks down. And if you remove the interference, the body can find the balance. And what I love about what you said about how everybody came together, I really believe that we're in a time that so many groups and people that have been on parallel paths are starting to realize that, wow, we have to come together and support each other and work together and refer to each other and take care of each other because we are not alone and we have a big pharma thing out there machine that is putting trillions 
behind a lot of the fake science that you're talking about. And you use, you're much bolder than me when you talk about some of the individuals like Fauci and some of these other people that are in control of these things. And I know you're running for office. Um, so in five minutes that we have left, if you could just give your opinion on social distancing based on that report you did. And everybody go to Dr. Shiva, watch all his stuff, watch his stuff on the immune system, watch all his political messages that are really important. He breaks down where uh, the money, follow the money and where it's going and how it's setting policy that is dangerous for this country. Please go dig into all of that stuff, but talk quickly about social distancing. Yeah, so let, let me take, I'll take a, let me take a minute for talking about, you know, the, truth, freedom and health, another minute talking about the social distancing and I'll wrap up with the campaign. So first okay. of all, you know, it's taken me a while to be able to, I've been a student of politics because I grew up in a caste system in India where there was injustice as a kid. So I was deeply interested in revolutionary politics. How do you actually change the world for the better? So that led to many, a journey as an activist. You know, you, you can go read about it. You know, there's a picture of me burning the South African flag on the steps of MIT. MIT had investments in South Africa. I wrote the first set of papers which expose, you know, Monsanto, you know, uh, what they were doing in terms of, the fact that genetically engineering, uh, actually the genetically engineered organism is different than the non-genetically engineered organism. I was a guy, uh, went up during my PhD graduation, I held up a huge poster US out of Iraq when it wasn't popular to do that. So I've been a fighter. Uh, but when you look at what's going on right now uh, and you apply systems thinking where you realize everything's connected, three words emerge out of that that everyone can wrap their heads down very quickly because a lot of people don't have time to go do the, the work that I've done. And the simple way to think about it is truth, freedom, and health. Truth, freedom, and health. Truth, freedom, and health. That's part of a triangle. How are they related? Well, let's start with freedom. If we don't have freedom to question, to debate, to exercise what we want to communicate, then what you end up with, and freedom is necessary to practice the scientific method. The scientific method is you have some idea, it could be bogus or good, of how the universe works. You make a guess, you go play with the universe, you gather data, and from that data, if the data doesn't match your hypothesis, it's nonsense, right? It doesn't matter how good looking you are, what family you come from, as Richard Feynman said. However, that's called the scientific method. You go into it with humility, and if you don't have freedom, we're not able to practice the scientific method. What happens? We practice scientific consensus, which says, I don't care what the scientific method says. I'm the head, head of the NIH. I'm the head honcho at Harvard. I'm the one who designed this field and you listen to me or you're never gonna get a professorship here, okay? So people fall in line, fall in line to say, yes, the sun goes around the earth. We remember that story, right? Even though one guy had all the data, yeah, which was the, world the opposite. Is flat. Right, so we go into the scientific consensus versus the scientific method. So what evolves out of that? Well, you get fake science, you don't get truth. You get falsehoods. So you've diminished truth. And with lack of truth, now you can, essentially you got people by the cojones. You can now create a fake problem and a fake solution. So you create a fake problem and because it's backed by this fake science, which came from scientific consensus, which came from the suppression of freedom. And that fake problem and that fake solution is promoted to you and I and society as what is healthy, either healthy for our physical bodies or healthy for the environment or healthy for our infrastructure, our roads or bridges. So what you see around is all of those are falling apart. You have 54% of kids with autoimmune disorders. You have uh, the United States has a D plus in physical infrastructure. We don't even have infrastructure health. 
And so when you have unhealthy bodies, unhealthy infrastructure, you don't have the wherewithal, the resilience, guess what, to fight for freedom. So that's where all of this fits in. So when I decided to run for US Senate, I said, this is not about winning a Senate seat. Because if you just want to do that, it's so corrupt, Eric. There's no way. This is about creating a principled movement that will also, in its wave, and its wake, educate millions of people to show the contradictions as well as a way forward. That's why we call it truth, freedom, and health. And so that's what the run for Shiva for Senate is. And it just so happened this coronavirus took place. All of this knowledge that I've created, all this content, it was almost like a god converged all of this, Eric. In a, in, a, in a beautiful or unfortunate way, just a meeting. So all of this knowledge is explosively going out yeah. because people have just been starving. So our campaign for Senate is really about, you know, a growing a movement for truth, freedom, and health. And winning in, so it's not, what's happened is, I'm running for US Senate of Massachusetts. The GOP establishment hates me. The Democrat establishment hates me. And that's why we need to get on the ballot. That's why, the three guys I'm running against, two Democrats and one Republican, are all lawyers. I'm running on the Republican ticket, so I at least get on the, the, the debate stage this time. So the key thing is to get me on the ballot. So if people go to shivaforsenate.com and you scroll down, they'll see a place. If you know people in Massachusetts or you know people who, uh, or you're in Massachusetts, we can't, we have to get 10,000 signatures, Eric. It's become so difficult to collect those signatures. So we tell people to go there fill out a form and we'll mail them the forms. It's quite a, very expensive. Um, and, but we have an amazing volunteer base and they can't collect signatures. My opponents have no volunteer base. So people should go there, sign up, let people know so we can get those nomination forms. We need about 7,000 more signatures in the next 10 days. That's number one. But more importantly, what we want to do is as a part of the movement, if people give money to our cause, um, I give you a book called System and Revolution because I hate taking something for nothing. And we also give you access to that tool, your body, your system, so you can figure out how my body is a system, right? Forget the foods and all that, but the goal is to, for people to intuitively know, my body has a homeostasis. My body likes to be in a certain place. And what I do with my body can determine if I stay there or I get disturbed. So in fact, what we just did, Eric, was yesterday, we told, you know, given the times are so difficult, we told people, whatever you can afford, do it, and we'll get these tools to you. Because my great-grandfather was an indentured servant. He had nothing. He grew up as a poor, what we call a slave. That's what indentured servants were. But when he got out of that and he started doing his own work, he, he, would, he was very frugal. But when it came to education, he would give his life. You know, he would do whatever he could to help anyone in the village. So that's what we want to do. We want to educate people, Eric, that the body is a system. And we want to share that knowledge, you know, through your network, others. But we have to win in Massachusetts because Massachusetts is the center of the deep state. If you think about it, this is a quote unquote, I mean, I can look over there at Boston Medical Center. This is a center of quote unquote, the mecca of medicine. And you're in a bunker right now, right? You're hiding in a bunker. <laughs> well, I'm not afraid. You know, my point is, they've, you know, the, the, the issue is, if you look at the two major institutes, MIT and Harvard, both of those presidents took money from Jeffrey Epstein. Both of those uh, institutions have become highly corrupt institutions. They are the center of the deep state. Pretty much every major uh, person uh, who, you know, who runs most of the governments went through Boston at some point. So winning here becomes important because it'll send a shockwave. And particularly having someone like me who really reflects everyone out there, you know, working class kid, 
who came from nothing, who's dedicated to really solving problems. That's what most of us are. We're not the 0.0001%. That's why it's important to win, get on the ballot. So anyone who sees this from a, it's not even a political thing. This is a systems issue. This is about our future, your future, my future, our kids' future. I agree with that. And that's why I'm on board. That's why I'm supporting what you're doing. I wanted to reach out to you to have this conversation. You know, we say in the 100-year lifestyle, when you're out of balance, you're broke. We need to bring this whole thing back into balance with a sense of truth. And so I thank you for your time today. I know you have to go. Give me a closing thought for, if you don't mind. Uh, Yes, we're going to reach the public. We're going to push this out there a lot, have a lot of people hear your voice. Uh, specifically now for the doctors of chiropractic that I know that are going to put this all over the place, who have been warriors battling, a lot of times feeling alone on the ground in communities. Give them a quick little pep talk of juice about why what they're doing is important to hold true and to support what you're doing. Look, chiropractors uh, have been on the front lines of delivering health care. Most of the conventional MDs don't even deliver healthcare anymore. The nurses do it, right? I'm talking about the people are physically touching their patients, actually looking at them still, right? You know, delivering the actual healthcare. Chiropractors, in a very profound way, are the warriors on the front lines, the theoreticians on the front lines. They're really bringing it together. So I have great respect for chiropractors. It's very, I have respect for surgeons. They're also doing the same thing, right? And interesting enough, both those groups, when our videos went out, Eric had a lot of feedback. The typical MDs, they're a little bit scared because they have golden handcuffs. Because remember, they don't have to really solve a problem. They don't have to, frankly, diagnose things. They follow protocols. They're more robotic. Again, good people, big pharma medicine. But chiropractors for years and years and years and years have really been the tip of the spear of this movement to deliver healthcare because they've been actually been seeing the results of what happens. And at the same time, they've had to fight the conventional big pharma guys who say, oh, your stuff isn't right, it's not working, when they actually have empirical evidence, like I saw with my grandmother healing people, I don't care what you say, you see the proof is in the pudding. So the opportunity right now for chiropractors is that 2020, what's occurring right now, and with someone like me getting involved who has all the credentials of their world, coming and exposing them gives us a huge and important window in in history to to build a warrior force and that warrior force needs to come together to recognize and teach people that the body is a system the ankle bone is connected to the foot bone you guys know that better than anyone and layer that with some knowledge like the tools that i created your body your system and system self so now you can take these tools you don't have to go to medical school the goal is to deliver health care in a decentralized way top-down model of healthcare, which is what chiropractors have been fighting. This sort of Sovietized or Chinese type model, I don't mean Chinese medicine, but the top-down model, we know better, you don't, is gonna be the destruction of humans. I'm not talking about human, uh, you know, I'm talking about human beings, what it means to be a human being. And it's gonna be the destruction of health because health is supposed to emerge from a guy like you interacting with a patient and out of that dialogue, you touching them, understanding they giving you feedback in a decentralized ways where health is gonna emerge. The body is a massively complex system. To tell that you're gonna tell everyone top down to take 30 vaccines or this procedure, or I'm gonna now carry a digital card and everyone's gonna follow this way. That's what Fauci wants to do. That's what Big Pharma wants to do, is basically a destruction to humanity. So in many, view, many ways, Eric, 
let's say we want to live to a thousand years or we can, but what, how do we want to live? Do we want to live as slaves or do we want to live as free people? That's what this question is about. We're at a very important point. We can head into the golden age where people start taking a systems approach to the body, decentralized, connecting with practitioners like chiropractors and others, or do we end and go into the dark ages where we're treated as machines on a large network where we are mandated vaccines, everything we do is tracked. You know, 200 million cameras is what China has. They watch your lip movements. They can figure out what you're doing. Wow. Is that the world we're going to go into? As, as a world of free people. And that is why the chiropractic brotherhood, those people out there, brotherhood and sisterhood, needs to come together. And I just want to be a humble catalyst with the fortunate knowledge I was able to gather um, and, 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 you know, support that process. But this is the time to act. We can't wait any longer because six months, we don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen in September? We're all going to be mandated vaccines. We're all, we won't be able to leave our house. We won't be able to get, um, you know, uh, driver's licenses. Well, that's, that's, where what's coming, that's what's coming if we don't act. Yeah, there's just an article that came out. Fauci said, we're going to have the antibody test and you may have a card, an immune card. Think about where this is going. This is, we're living in a very, very dangerous time. A war is taking place without hyperbole, and the war is for freedom of our bodies and our health, or are we gonna give that up? So it's a very, very serious point in human history. I'm with you, man. Truth, freedom, health. Truth, Dr. freedom, and health. Support him. Uh, he's not kidding, I'm not kidding. The time is now, it is a critical time in history. The warrior in me loves and appreciates the warrior in you. Thank you for being uh, committed. To yeah, and if people- Thank you everybody for watching. Thank you. Shiva for Senate. Talk be, to you soon, my friend. Thank you. Be well. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. you too. Be the light. Thank you. Yep, you too.